Buenas tardes, church. It's not that I didn't want to pray, but if I started, I might not stop crying. The first time I met Annie, I was a student at Fuller Seminary, and I was taking a class called, um, is this on maybe? The class was called uh, Urban Immersion. And so I was, I was an eager student, and we were visiting Annie's um, interchange uh, ministry, and she spoke. And I still remember on the left side of my, of my page of my journal where I was taking furious notes, and I just remember thinking, gosh, this, this woman has so much wisdom, and how is it possible that she can come into a community and just have so much peace and so much welcoming spirit and so much compassion? It was just... Uh, just beyond any anyone I had ever met. And so I, I, I was remembering uh, that day that I met you and how you taught our class with such compassion and just not snobby at all. <laughs> you know, some people can just walk around like letting you know how much stuff they know. Not Annie. She just lives it and you smell it and you know that she smells like Jesus. And so um, that's what I was thinking of. I was reminiscing on that day. We were all in a, in a small little room there at Interchange and sitting on the floor, finding places to sit together. There was not much space there. And she just was so grounded and she smelled like Christ. And so today we will look at a passage that talks about the aroma of Christ and the fragrance of Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 14 through 17 and if there's anyone that can embody this it is Annie so if you would like to hear more about her story this is a shameless plug right please meet with her because she walks with such humility and I hope all of us here at this church would learn from Annie as she walks in humility around this world so 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 verses 14 through 17 is where the stories finds us and if you're visiting us for the first time, we have been in the story of the Spirit ever since Pentecost Sunday. We've been in the story of the Spirit because we can't get enough of the Spirit. There's so much about El Espíritu Santo. And so I inserted myself, uh, Pastor Bobby was supposed to preach today, but I said, I think I got a word two weeks ago. I was like, I think I got a word. I have a mini series within the series on El Espíritu Santo, on Corinthians. I love First and second Corinthians. And so I wanted to nerd out a little bit, but I was feeling a movement of the spirit about, um, about that in the life of Paul. So we hear, we find ourselves second Corinthians chapter two, verses 14 through 17. You can hear the word of God said out loud, or you can read it in your Bibles or Bible apps, 14 through 17. The apostle Paul says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him, knowing Christ. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. perishing. To the one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not peddlers of God's word like so many, but in Christ we speak as persons of sincerity, as persons sent from God and standing in his presence. This is the word of the Lord. I'd like to remind you a little bit about 
1st and 2nd Corinthians, just a little bit of review of things that I shared last week. This book, this uh, this letter, 2 Corinthians, is actually the fourth letter to the Corinthians. Uh, and it is a testament to Paul's love for the churches, to all of the churches where he was or that he heard about, and how he is in communication with them back and forth. We only have two of the letters, First and 2 Corinthians, but there's evidence of two other ones where he's going back and forth, conversing about tough issues. In fact, there's parts of uh, a 2 Corinthians where he is almost copying and pasting questions that the Corinthian church asks of him, and he responds, hard questions. And he is willing to sit and in the tension of those hard questions. And so the other thing that's happening here is that there's super apostles, and Mondo was reminding me of that last week, there's super apostles in Corinth that are questioning Paul's reliability and apostolic authority. They are questioning his apostleship. They are questioning his authority. They are questioning his reliability. And this is how he responds to them with great love. In, in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, out of the abundant love that I have for you, I'm still going to stay in connection with you. Out of the abundant love that I have for you, I'm going to go through, through, this, through this conversation with you. And the talk here in, in the passage that I just read, when, when Paul says, thanks be to God. Now, this, is just, this isn't just anybody saying, thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek, because the apostles, uh, the super apostles and the people in Corinth were saying, if you were a true apostle, why are you suffering so much? If you are a true apostle, why are you so persecuted? Like, where's the triumph in Christ? So he's kind of speaking tongue-in-cheek like, thanks be to God about this triumphal procession. If we don't understand the context, you and I may get really annoyed at Paul thinking, now, now Paul, not everything is a triumph, okay? Not everything is hunky-dory. And they're, they're kind of, you know, saying to him, why are you always just so persecuted, so suffering, so lamenting? So when he says, Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him, let's pause for a minute about this triumph that he's talking about. Let me go to chapter 11, because the first six chapters of 2 Corinthians, he's defending his authority. And after that, he's talking about where he got his authority from the scars. Let me tell you about his triumphal procession that he's thankful unto God. Because it don't make no sense. But you got to hear it. Paul's sufferings as an apostle, he says, Whatever anyone dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. He's saying, I got some privilege. I got some pedigree. I got some, a really nice CV, but he has a PhD in suffering. Are they ministers of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one with far greater labors, far more imprisonments. Triumphal possession, remember? He, he starts giving a list of all his triumphs in the pilgrimage of his life. I have far more greater imprisonments with countless floggings, often near death, 
Five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked. Triumph, right? Thanks be to God. And besides other things, I am under daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the churches. I'm so glad he struggles with anxiety as I do. Uh. And I'm seeing a therapist for it. I'm under daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is made to stumble? And, and, and I am not indignant if I must boast I will boast of the things that show my weakness. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when Paul says, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal possession, he's saying he has led me through the wilderness and led me through the shipwrecks and led me when I've been cold and hungry and led me when I have left Central America in the 80s and come here to the U.S. looking for uh, uh, asylum. He has led me through all of that. We have historical examples of this kind of persecution and suffering. And Paul says, thanks be to God who in Christ has always led me through all of this uh, suffering and persecution. This is the kind of aroma that the apostle is inviting us to step into because Christ is leading us from triumph to triumph and that doesn't mean everything always is going well. For we are the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. And it is in Christ who is always leading us and spreading in every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him. I bet if we pause and we slow down through that list of, of persecution and sufferings, we could make a list with our senses of what some of those events felt like. And I bet you could relate to some of these examples as well. As well. You could remember what it smelled like. You could remember what it looked like. You could remember what, it, what you heard in your suffering. You could remember your tears, your silent tears, your weeping. Whatever was going on around, the spirit knows what you were going through. When it comes to the aroma and the fragrance that's in this text, I started asking my question, a question about fragrances and aromas. Fragrances that smell good, and fragrances that are not a fragrance. <laughs> like, there are contrastive smells in this world that we could say, yeah, that does not smell good. And I'd love to hear some, some of those examples from y'all. If, if you think of one, just say it out loud. For example, a, a really bad aroma is a poopy diaper. How wow. many of you have smelled a poopy diaper? Not your own. You probably don't remember your own, but somebody remembers <laughs> someone's poopy diaper. Uh, broccoli that has gone bad. Have y'all ever like, there is nothing that can explain the, 
what is it like rant kate i see your face like the rancidness like when you have forgotten that you bought fresh veggies because you're like i'm gonna eat everything fresh and then you forget it at the bottom you know of the of the of the thing i'm thinking in spanish right now the plastic thing Como? the bin thank you and it's not crisp anymore and it's just rotten it's soggy. it's soggy everybody knows what that feels like also one time in college i forgot that i, I had bought potatoes and I was like you know trying to be like say good with my money and I bought like five pounds and then they were like at the back of like where all the bags were so I forgot that they were there another like bad potatoes it is and then they grow legs and they're like there's like a whole community like they're about to walk out of my house that smell rotten rotten potatoes is just the worst any other smells that you want to throw in? There's children in this room, remember. What's it? Rotten eggs. Oh, yes. One time I had to describe, uh, my, car was, my car broke down many a time, but I remember one time the mechanic said, now, does it sound like rotten, does it smell like rotten eggs? And I said, yes. I forget what part it was. I don't know if it was the alternator or one of those things, but rotten eggs, quite distinct, that even mechanics use to tell you something's wrong with your car. Doug, you said something else. Sour milk, mmm, leche agria, yes, nope, can't do it, can't do it. What's another smell that you're like, no, this, this smell makes me whip my head away from? Infection, Infection says the midwife. <laughs> we'll just leave you right there. <laughs> and nurse, and nurse, it could be all kinds of infections. Bobby is like, mmm, where are you taking Anyone else? Did I see him? Bad fish. In a hot, bad fish in a hot car. Now that is a bad aroma. Everyone right now is engaging the word of God through smell. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes, yes. The sad thing about smells and the encouraging thing that I think the Spirit is doing in this, in this text right now is that the Spirit, she's engaging us and engaging in our senses and with our memories and the memories that we have connected to things that smell good or not smell good. So there's some smells that make us, you know, turn away in disgust. And some smells that make us turn in like, ooh, desire, like pretzels at a state fair. Mm-hmm. But fragrance, a fragrance that doesn't smell good. The problem with the church has been historically, not just in the time of Paul and even the Corinthian church, is that the church hasn't smelled like Jesus. That the church has stood in controversy, somebody say controversy, and contradiction, somebody say contradiction. In controversy and contradiction so that the smell of the church and the sound of the church hasn't smelled like Jesus nor sounded like kingdom. And so that's the kind of smell that the Apostle Paul is engaging us in to say, when you smell, to some you're going to be the aroma of death and to others the aroma of life. And they're distinct. But at the center, you and I don't stand. Who stands at the center? In Christ. Look at the word in Christ and how many times Paul, not only in this letter, but all of his letters, he talks about being in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. That it, you are first in Christ before you are led in triumph, before you can spread to every place the fragrance that comes from knowing him. 
So you can't spread that smell if you haven't spent time with him. And I'm not talking about some 15-minute devotion at 5 a.m. I'm talking about nearness. I'm talking about proximity. I'm talking about length of time where you, where you know what sounds like Jesus and what smells like kingdom. You know a smell that doesn't smell like Jesus that's been recently in the news? See, Jesus was very political. He was never bipartisan, but he was always very political. And Paul got flogged because he was also political. Because to say that Jesus is Lord also meant that you had to, to, had to disobey the empire. If you said Jesus is Lord, that wasn't just a spiritual statement. It was also a political statement that you were saying that the emperor was not Lord. And that the emperor was not God. So it was both a spiritual and a political statement to say Jesus is Lord. When the church has stood in controversy and contradiction... And it hasn't smelled like Christ. Instead, it has gone to bed with empire. It is a different smell. When I read the news this week that Texas troopers had been ordered to throw children back into the Rio Grande, does that smell like Jesus? Or does that smell like really bad potatoes? Worse than potatoes. When I read that Texas troopers we're pushing children and immigrants back into the waters of the Rio Grande. Oh, because I have read the word of God, I am not confused as to what is happening. I historically have to remember that the demonic powers of Pharaoh also killed Hebrew children and also through disobedient midwives, Shipra and Pua, they disobeyed Pharaoh so that children wouldn't be killed. What smells like Jesus? Around the time of Jesus, there was a genocide that we often forget when we're going through all the lights and Christmas of Advent. A genocide of children. Why? Because a jealous and envious Herod couldn't stand anyone saying, wait, there's another king? They're going to bow down to somebody else? They're not going to pledge their allegiance to me? Just in case, let's kill all the children under two years old. That's the kind of spirit of death, wicked, thank you, Doug, a wicked and demonic spirit that pay attention when you read the news, pay attention when you're in your neighborhood and you're working with refugees and immigrants, pay attention what sounds like Jesus and what smells like kingdom because there's a distinct, bitter, rancid, sour smell. Pay attention. The spirit engages our senses for us to be able to pay attention. And as an immigrant pastor that I am, with two cousins who also fled and sought uh, political asylum in the 80s, I am not unfamiliar with that spirit. I have felt it in my body and in our familia, and I understand that the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved smells like one thing to one people and another thing unto others. But Paul says, but we are the aroma of Christ. And to the one, a fragrance from death unto death. But he is calling us to be people of life. Somebody say life. A fragrance of life. Somebody say a fragrance of life. There is an actual Calvin Klein uh, perfume that's called Contradiction. Okay, don't wear that. Spiritually, don't wear that. Don't wear that. 
okay? Paul is saying, who is sufficient to be a fragrance of life unto life? Only Christ. Only Christ is sufficient to lead us in triumphal procession as we are pilgrims on this earth, as uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are co-creating our story. Last week we said that you are a letter and you are a letter of Christ and the Spirit is the ink and now uh, Jesus is inviting us to, to have that fragrance of life. Now because the church has historically uh, stood in controversy and contradiction, I almost said contraception. Almost did. And <laughs> Jesus, what's happening? But because the church has stood in controversy and contradiction, we haven't been able to trust Jesus, right? And if you're having trouble trusting Jesus, you have got to listen to Sandy Shelf's sermon from last year. Maybe it's already been like a year and a half. I can't remember. Listen to Sandy's sermon about reconnecting with Jesus after the church as an institution has hurt you or after whatever hurt you have had because I don't think the problem is Jesus it's been his followers when we have followed paths of death and death giving words instead of paths of life and liberation and life giving words in Mark chapter 8 verses 27 through 30 Jesus is with his disciples and he's hanging out with his closest, closest friends. And he comes to a point in, the, in his relationship with them that he asks, who do you say that I am? Excuse me, who do people say that I am? Mateo, Marcos, sorry, I know my gospels in Spanish. <laughs> Not in English. Who do people say that I am? His closest friends, his closest disciples, his closest disciples. And they said, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say one of the prophets. And that's the journey and the pilgrimage with Jesus. That he will wait for you to ask, who do other people say that I am? And then at some point in our pilgrimage conversation, in our connection journey with Jesus, he turns to us, right, Doug? He turns to us, Bobby. He turns to us, Selena, and he says, but who do you say that I am? I know what they say, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answers him, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, other gospels say. And then he says, okay, now be quiet because it's not my time yet. Who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? That's been the tension of our lives. That's been the tension that we have in, in, in our relationship with Jesus. Who do you say that I am now? And in this conversation of this knowledge, I want to go back to the knowledge because Jesus says, who do you say? So what do you know about me? What, what have they said about me? But not who do you say that I am? Here it says um, that the fragrance that we spread is, comes from, back to verse 14, comes from knowing him. Comes from knowing him. And sometimes when we think knowing, uh, especially in a westernized society, we might, we, we might think just a lot of things that we know about Jesus, right? Like the disciples knew a lot about Elijah and a lot about Moses and they knew the story of Jonah, a lot about Jesus and they were waiting for the long-awaited Messiah, the anointed one. But now I think he moves into a heart kind of knowledge and a hands kind of knowledge, inviting our senses. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. 
It is that difference, that kind of tension of conversation. What does it matter if my head is full of seminary knowledge, full of an MDiv in my head, but how I speak, I stink. What does it matter, all the knowledge? What does it matter that I paid $60,000 in education to fill my head? Don't hear that. Uh, I know you just started at Fuller. Don't think about that amount right now. Don't think about your student loans. What does it matter if I fill my head with head knowledge? But when I speak and when I stand and when I go places, I stink. Jesus is saying, who am I to you? What's your story with me? Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He would not be. He would not be throwing children in the Rio Grande, let me tell you that. He would not be throwing children or putting barbed wire. Jesus, well, first of all, there's a lot of U.S.-Mexico treaties are being uh, dismissed and not followed and not honored. Sounds like something that's happened before. You know, U.S.-Mexico relations, first of all, those treaties are not being honored. But second of all, with or without a treaty, you just don't throw humans into, a, into the water. That's the demonic, wicked spirit of Pharaoh. That's the demonic, wicked spirit of Herod. Smell, pay attention to that smell. And find the smells that make you turn towards Jesus. Fragrance comes from being near, from being proximal. From you start smelling like the people you're with. You know, when you hug somebody and they smell, uh, you smell their perfume or their, or their cologne, you're like, oh, that's so-and-so smell. I ran out of my, of my uh, perfume for the past couple of months and I keep saying, I gotta go, I gotta go, go, go get it. Otherwise, it doesn't smell like me. So sorry, I just smell like my, my, my soap, my, you know, skin soap that I wash with. But when I think of Jesus, to me, he smells like the friend of sinners. When I think of Jesus and the aroma of Christ, to me, he smells like juicy mango running down my abuelita's hands. When we were growing up, with great love, because listen, if someone's cutting up a mango for you, they love you. <laughs> um, if you want to know that I love you, <laughs> see if I'll cut up a mango for you because it's so slimy and slippery and you can like lose a finger, right? But my abuelita, she would sit there and like cut towards her, which always scared me. To smell like Jesus, to me Jesus smells like a juicy mango running down my abuelita's hands. And that, that smell, I wanna, I wanna tell you, to smell like Jesus to me is who and what and what circumstances, what ecosystems makes me feel at peace, safe, and loved. So that's what I mean when I say, to, to me, to smell like Jesus, uh, Jesus smells like juicy mango. This is my abuelita who taught me how to pray. My abuelita who taught me how to read the Bible. She helped me feel safe in a time that I felt very unsafe after um, I lost my mother. To me, Jesus smells like a crackling fire on a snowy day. To me, Jesus smells like the crunch and the smell of pine needles uh, walking towards redwoods and uh, up here in the forest in the mountains of California. To me, just Jesus smells like salty ocean water crashing on a shore. To me, Jesus smells like wet soil after a tropical rain in Nicaragua, the memory of home I asked my child, uh, Nash, what he thought about, and he gave me permission. He said, Mom, this, is, this can go in your sermon. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, I said what, do you, 
Nash, what do you think Jesus smells like? He said, CBS. <laughs> I was like, is there something about CBS, the sales? Is it the sales that you like at CBS? I was like, no, let's try again. Give me something else. And he said, Starbucks. <laughs> and I translated that, right? Because I'm an interpreter. You mean like the, the warmth of the coffee and you're sitting there with your mom, right? And like hanging out with your mom. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus to Nash smells like Starbucks. To me, Jesus smells like my friend Jennifer Guerra who brought handmade corn tortillas during the pandemic and she... Back when we didn't know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we didn't know how things were spread. We were still like, here's a tortilla, a memory of home. Bobby, without knowing that I was making a list of like what smells remind me of Jesus, he sent me a prayer this, this morning and, and he said, um, he said these, these lists, like almost like the spirit was in tune, right? We were in tune to the spirit. And he said, I hope that you're reminded of mango empanadas fresh out of the, of the oven. Boy, I'll throw my chancla at you. <laughs> mango empanadas, fresh out of the oven, because it's not just the mango and just the empanada, it's the memory associated with that, right? And she said, I hope that today you, you remember your mother's hair, which reminded me that that's the last thing I smelled, the fragrance of her hair, the last time I saw her alive on October 21st before she got on that air, uh, uh, airplane, before the plane crashed. Bobby also said, a pot of black beans. And the memory connected to those beans, right? Like your abuelita cooking for you. Because I didn't know how to cook. My papa's car, now I know what that Toyota Land Cruiser smelled like. You know, he would hang those little like uh, uh, odor things that they sell that look like a little pine tree or whatever. Oh my gosh, it's so strong. But we were always going on adventures. And I knew if I wanted to spend time with my dad, I had to get on that four wheel drive because he was going places. Your papa's car. Um, something he said, Bobby said, reminded me of my, my um, I don't know if y'all remember, uh, have you ever seen that yellow like body splash from like, I don't know, 30 years ago, the Janate, Jan I don't know how to pronounce it. Janate, that's what my abuelita smelled like on Sunday morning. And I was like, oh, it's so strong. <laughs> my abuelita's Janate splash water, whatever body wash that was called on Sunday morning because it meant she didn't know how to drive. She didn't go to college. She graduated from high school but never went to college. But she was going to get in a taxi to get to church. And that woman was going to get in a taxi and go to church Sunday evening again. And that woman, she was going to get in a taxi and go to prayer service on Wednesday at 6 p.m. My abuelita, that's what she splashed on her. To me, the smell of Jesus is a cup of coffee as I count my caterpillars in the mornings. And I'm surrounded by birdsong. Birdsong that regulates my nervous system and reminds me that God delights over me with singing. To me, Jesus smells like, um, one time I was in Algeria working at a refugee camp and I got really sick. I will spare you the, the sounds and the smells of that. I got really sick, you know, like things coming out of both ends and I was so sick and there's no water, it's a refugee camp. And um, my friend uh, paid $20. A friend that I didn't even, I mean, I became a friend on that trip. I was the only one not from that church. She paid $20 to get a hot bucket of water. And she said, Ines, let's watch that sickness. Let's wash that sickness off of you. And y'all, my hair was greasy and gross. She smelled 
like Jesus because this woman that I did not know was washing my hair. I had been throwing up for like three days and other things in a place that had no water, no running water. To me, Jesus smells like arepas with Stacia at Amara Cafe and listening to each other's stories. To me, Jesus smells like pupusas at Janet and Mike's house for our volunteer appreciation dinner, somebody opening up their home and hospitality and giving thanks to God for these teams that are serving and loving each other together. To me, Jesus smells like Taiwanese food from uh, Shannon and Whaley's uh, favorite restaurant. Is it Shaweli? They're engaged now. Should I say Shaweli? That's oh the name goodness. together, right? Is it Shaweli? I don't know. I, I, can't, I haven't heard that in a while, but Taiwanese food and them explaining all the different dishes. To me, it was a delicacy, and I was like, I'll, just, I'll eat whatever you tell me to eat. To me, Jesus smells like Kamayam Feast, the day that Melika preached her first sermon in this place and seeing Mondo and Selena run around washing those plantain leaves and drying those plantain leaves and adding oil to the plantain leaves like the plantain leaves situation was a whole thing. But the smells that were filling our sanctuary, a decolonized way of worship with our hands and eating with our hands, remember? I will never forget that decolonized communion that day because to me, that's what smelling like Jesus sounds like, Sm smells like the aroma of Christ. So as we go about thanking God that in Christ, Christ makes us sufficient and leads us and leads through us the, the spreading the presence of his fragrance, know that in Christ you are sufficient. Who is sufficient for this calling? Who is sufficient for this task? Who is sufficient to be able to carry this about? Verse 16, who is sufficient for these things? In Christ we speak, in Christ we stand, and in Christ we are sent. And I want you to remember that. As Annie is getting ready to go, as Mother Glenda right now, in, in the name of Jesus, we pray over her. She is uh, in Uganda right now. In Christ we speak, and in Christ we stand, and in Christ we are sent. It is, and it is in Christ and it is in our nearness with him, not just individually, in the ordinary moments, in the ordinary and quite frankly quiet and boring moments of your day, like sitting in the morning drinking coffee in front of your caterpillars. In that time when we pay attention to the nearness of Jesus, we start smelling like him. And we care about the things he cares about. And I hope and I pray that the collective fragrance of this church would be love and would be justicia, like we were singing about. So the invitation right now is for you to pay attention to smells and for you to be paying attention to small and ordinary smells, the ones that make you whip your head away in disgust and the ones that make you turn and go, oh my gosh, this person, I feel, I feel closer to Jesus when I'm near them. I wonder why. I wonder what about Jesus they help me to embody and experience. We're gonna enter into a time of embodying fragrances and engaging our senses. And I'm gonna invite um, Armando and Selena to speak to us about how we're gonna remember this moment as well.
So, there we go. Uh, when Inez was talking about the aroma of Jesus uh, last week, Mano and I had this idea that we would bring Palo Santo, which is something we use in our house often, uh, sort of as a symbol of the aroma of Christ without completely like uh, bombing this room with scent. But um, so Mano's lighting it here and we have a stick for every person. So if you, you can come up and take one and I'm just going to read a little bit about Palo Santo. So Palo Santo translates to holy stick in Spanish and has been used as an incense and a symbol of healing in Latin America since the Inca era. It is carefully harvested from trees that die in a natural way. During this process of decomposition, the tree is compressed, secreting its oil and acquiring its medicinal and aromatic properties. Once dried, Palo Santo develops a unique aroma that when burned may help to deepen moments of meditation and spiritual contemplation. The way in which Palo Santo is harvested promotes sustainability and reforestation of the tree, ultimately respecting the sanctity of the wood and thus life itself. As we get our hearts ready and our bodies ready for communion, I'd like to invite Pastora Rosa to come up and, and um, continue to lead us. And I'd like to invite you to take time um, to come up and take one of these Palo Santo sticks um, and take it back to your seat and then I'll officiate communion and then you'll come back up for the elements because there's too much to hold in your hands. So please come up and um, feel free to take one. Mm. 